The talk tonight is about spiritual urgency. It's always an interesting um, thing to go out in nature and feel the loving kindness and the comfort that one can get from being in the natural world. And I think that there is a way where, you know, just going out into the open sky and getting that spaciousness, it's like so easy sometimes to drop um, being so lost in our storylines at times. And it's like an ease of well-being that comes. Uh, so I was kind of feeling like I was wanting that today when I, I went out for a little walk and it was really windy and I almost decided not to go down to the beach because I thought, oh, it's too windy and rainy. But I decided to go down and and then you probably noticed <clears throat> if you went out today that there were a lot of hang gliding eagles and just like that beauty of how they love the wind and the storm and I'm walking along and there's like more and more eagles up there hang gliding uh more than normal (laughs) and so I'm still and I had my umbrella like at the wind so I couldn't see that good because I was trying to protect myself I was going that way and so I would like not just see the rocks and then I would sort of go like this and it would be like there's more eagles you know and then I'd be like you know more than more than usual but still keep going and then um I saw a few landing by this rock ahead and then a few more and then a turkey vulture and a raven and I'm like wow it's a party you know it's like this is not usual, right? And then more eagles. Um, so I thought, I've seen this twice here before, where it usually means something's dead and that they're eating. And I was like, oh, okay, you know. And But I wanted my little walk, right? So, uh, But I always have that thing, so I don't really want to see what they're eating, right? And, uh, but I do. <laughs> I really, really do, <laughs> but I don't, but I don't remember that I don't, you know, the, the desire to see what they're eating overcomes any past memory of like not liking whatever I've ever seen them eating. <laughs> so I go up to this rock and, you know, they all didn't like that I came, but they finally all flew away and I thought they might be too upset, but I had my umbrella <laughs> and I'm like... Sorry, guys, here I come. And uh, I didn't see anything. So I'm like, wow, that's strange. And I'm standing there like, do I believe what I just saw? Like, you know, or what? And so then I, could, I didn't see anything. And then I thought, well, I'll just keep walking. And then up further, there was a dead baby deer, you know. And it's like, mindfulness practice is just following the process of what happens in your heart you know in my first reaction this is just me i was like mad at the i was mad at all the birds for like eating it you know it's like just let me do a little funeral here you know and so i did a little uh chanting and offering and it was really interesting they just all hovered up there and waited 
And then finally when I finished chanting, the raven came right down. I was like, okay. <laughs> that was fine. But the eagles waited a long time and hung out, and, and I just sent Metta and um, came back. So the chant, um, I chanted it a little bit the other night at the end of the Metta retreat at the end, but it's, um, it means all conditioned things are appearing and disappearing or all conditioned things um, are arising and passing away. Understanding this brings the greatest kind of happiness, which is peace. And it's something that I learned as a chant that you chant if somebody dies and there's a, is a, there's a service or something. Um, and there's a lot more to this chant, actually. There's a anicca, vata, sankara, you know, all things are impermanent. But there's also dukkha, vata, sankara, when they chant the whole thing, anatta, vata, sankara. It's like, it's a very deep, very... To me, it's probably one of the most important chance and that you know you really just feel that sense of like yes everything that appears everything that takes birth in this universe appears and disappears and that it's really this practice is meant to help us understand that and find the peace that comes from understanding that so nature often has this double edge you know that you know, I love the I love watching the eagles soaring and flying, and I even like watching them fish. I really don't like watching them eat carrion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like that feeling, just that sense of like, oh, you're such a noble bird. Why are you eating the intestines? You know, it's like, and it's just like, it's ridiculous, but it's just that pleasant and unpleasant aspect of life. When I was a little kid, I used to um, love being out in nature. It was the only thing, really, that was going for me at the time. And it was, a great, again, a great support. And I remember, ever since I was a little kid, I would do what I just did with this deer. I'd find a little snake dead on the road, or I'd find a dead chipmunk, or, and I'd always go to the... I had a special spot over the years, under a pine tree, over the lake... And I, I didn't know that chant, but I would do the same thing. I'd bring them there, have a little ceremony. And, um, it just feels very important to honor the other beings. We live with that way. And then in my um, adolescence, early adolescence, my mother died. And... Um, When I was brought to uh, the wake, an Irish wake, where I didn't know what was going to happen, I didn't know that the casket would be open, and I I wasn't told, no one in my family discussed that my mother died, actually. Like, it, it never was discussed, ever. Like, it just wasn't mentioned again. (laughs) That's that's called dysfunctional, by the way. Anyway, it was really dysfunctional because I went in a door and I didn't even know what was going to happen. I kind of got away from where everybody was and I went in this room and there was my mother's body in a casket, open casket. And I was like, 
oh my god and then of course it was sort of like today you know i i didn't really want to go up to this dead being but i do you know we're just we don't see death enough you know and it's like i want to i don't want to and i went up and i was like so amazed and then i touched my mother like i was like ooh, and i was like oh my god and it was like the most probably important moment of my life it was really talk about electric shock treatment i mean it was like i i was completely changed and the, the first feeling was temperature. It was like she was so cold. And, you know, they had done her up and all this makeup, and she'd been sick for years, and it was so painful just that way it was done. And I was just, like, feeling the coldness of her body. And just just like the classic Texan Buddhism, my, it was just like that understanding that not only was that going to happen to me, but that it was going to happen to everyone I knew. You know, just that profound, like, ugh, wow. And, you know, if it was weird enough that I was doing all these ceremonies for dead animals at that point, you know, I really got even more different and that I just wasn't like the other kids. And it, it didn't feel like in any weird way to me, but I just remember even then looking at people like, wow, they're not searching. You know, they're not like... And I was a joyful kid. It wasn't like I wasn't joyful. But at the same time, I really wanted to understand what had happened to my mother. You know, I really wanted to know, is there something deeper than life and death? It was just so strong. Um, You know, and that, if you look at... If you look at where humans suffer, a lot of it is around, like, the fear of death. (laughs) You know, it's just like, that's it. And where do we suffer the most? It's around our sense of mortality so deeply. Um, So the the word in Pali, samvega, means spiritual urgency. And I would say that that moment of touching my mother was just really just that sense of, it's not that I hadn't had it somewhat, but it it was like if you took a meter, you know, like you had that boing, you know, that red arrow. It just went boing, 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 boing. It was like I hit the jackpot. Spiritual urgency, you know, it was amazing. And I just feel really grateful for that. And in a way, it wasn't sort of like I wondered, is there something deeper than life and death? It was much more, I was, it was like there must be something deeper than this, and I must find out. It was that strong. Not, not light. So, of course, you know, we want to say, you know, the whole, the biggest, the biggest teaching is that we realize that we are not our body. You know, because what happens to our, us when we die? It's like that is the big question. The body just dies. Consciousness goes on and on and on. <laughs> That's called samsara. It just doesn't stop. 
I think that sometimes we get, in a retreat like this, it gets so deep and intense and we go through so much stuff, but we often forget that there is, um, that there is this sort of thing that we all share, which is mortality. And that, you know, it makes us very vulnerable, you know, this, this change that we all go through moment to moment. I mean, the, the deepest teaching is that every moment we're dying and being reborn, dying and be, being reborn, that that's, that's what we're trying to understand. So that the, there are many, many paradoxes in this in this practice as we develop understanding. And one of the paradoxes that is so hard is that we will be saying, and you know, like the way, I just appreciate the way Steve guides that, that, that we are what's happening at our six sense doors. And then the, the teaching is also that we're not what's happening at our six sense doors. So if you ever start to feel confused... Of course, you know, that's so paradoxical and it stops the mind. And that's good. You know, it's good that it stops our thoughts from like, you know, it's like you can't figure that out. It's like it's something you can understand. And it's not I, Michelle, that understands or Steve. It's like it's that understanding understands. Aversion doesn't understand. Aversion is aversive. Fear is fearful. It's fear that is afraid. It's loving kindness that is loving. You know, it's compassionate that's, it's compassion that's compassionate. It's understanding that understands. So it's not ever ours. If it was ours, it would be permanent, right? If anything was really, truly true, it would be permanent. And there's this, this beyond Beyond condition, conditionality, beyond it is the truth. It's always there. It's not impermanent. So when we even talk about the, you know, when greed, if greed and hatred disappear in one mind moment, like if there's mo- mindfulness and there really isn't the presence of wanting or the presence of not wanting, um, we're, not a, we're not annihilating anything. Understanding doesn't mean we get rid of anything. It means that uh, the appearance of greed and aversion have disappeared in those moments. That's what Steve's trying to say when he's talking about mindfulness. It doesn't, like, aversion and attachment can disappear. But that doesn't mean sound stop or smelling stops or, you know, it's just like, it's the, it's the, ugh, the end of suffering on one level and one level is the end of, of that aversion and attachment. And it might last a few seconds or longer, but you'll, you'll know, you'll feel the difference. Because, of course, it feels wonderful not to be attached or not to be averse. <laughs> it hurts. So when we talk about even like those insights, like insight into anicca, impermanence, and insight into dukkha, uncertainty, 
When we talk about insight into anatta or no self, it means what it really means is that nothing exists by itself. It it doesn't say nothing exists. Nothing exists by itself. This is really important. Because often, you know, as we start getting quiet and you can feel that sense of like, we'll say, just try to be in the present moment for a few seconds. And that means, like when Steve said, it's like being on the lip of the waterfall. It means the willingness, we're willing to sacrifice what we know. (laughs) We're willing to sacrifice the need to know what's going to happen next. And you can feel how powerful the need to know what's going to happen next. On this retreat, I, I just did, there were times when, I, I don't know why it always hit me around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, but around, four, around that time period, I would get almost just this energy of like really wanting to know, I don't know why it would be like this, like what I was going to eat, even though I didn't even care really. But like I'd be excited about, maybe eating an English muffin at 7 o'clock or so. You know, it's hard to put into words like what would happen, but I'd be so excited about something that was going to happen that I didn't even know what was going to happen. And it would almost be unbearable, just that strange anticipation. And then I'd try to be rational about it again, and I'd be like, you're probably going to have an English muffin. Big deal, right? It would be just that you know, crushing it, try to crush that, like, un, that, that excitement around not knowing what's going to happen next. It's like, almost like, it's either incredibly delightful that we don't know, or incredibly terrifying that we don't know. And it's okay to feel it all. It's, that's part 